of the cross. One of these days, the Lord's coming back. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Hey, is it okay with you if he comes back right now? Amen. Wait till I get through with my sermon. You guys are a little too, <laughs> little too anxious there, huh, to get it over with. I am so glad you're here this morning, whether you're coming online, or live streaming on Facebook or YouTube, or you're here in person. This is another full house. We thank God for that. I'm going to ask you to be seated because I know... I know we have a lot of first-time guests that are here today, and I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Maybe you came because someone invited you. Maybe you just drove by and saw the church, decided to visit. Maybe you're here on vacation from Arizona because everybody left Arizona this week (laughs) to go to other places, and uh, maybe here, I don't know what reason you're here, but we're certainly honored and glad that you are. So would you do me a favor, please? If you're visiting, this may be the only time you're ever here, but we still want you to do this. Take one of these visitor cards, connection cards, in the seat back in front of you, and please fill it out so we know who you were. We won't harass you. We won't bother you. I promise you that. We're just thankful that you've come to be with us today and hope that you'll go ahead and do that. Now, we have a discovery, what we call Discovering Midway, uh, Discovering Midway, Discovering First Baptist, holy cow. I think that's the first time I've done that. Is it? Yeah. That's pretty good for an old guy. Discovering First Baptist Church class. So it's, for those who are saying, what? That was my old church. So, okay. Uh, If you are interested in finding out more about First Baptist Church, what we believe, and and ask any question you want to ask, uh, on next Sunday after the morning service, we're going to have lunch together in this room right over here. Uh, And if you want to be a member, you need to attend the class. If you attend the class, there's no way I want to be a member of that place. That's okay. You still get a free lunch. We won't charge you for it. But we need to know ahead of time how many people are going to be here. So I'm going to pass these uh, two sign-up sheets and go ahead and put down your name and the name of whoever else is going to be with you. And uh, we'll have uh, lunch here, probably Subway. We'll have four, three or four different varieties uh, to choose from. And I hope you'll come and be with us. Now, I want to mention also uh, that I want you to pray for the message today because the war on children is a very real thing that's going on in our society. And that war has come right to our own community. So uh, we need to be prepared for whatever and, and understand. By the way, we had about 40 people out here in front of our church yesterday morning uh, for a prayer meeting for unity, for the love of God to prevail, for uh, Christians to uphold each other, for uh, wisdom to know how to deal with situations that uh, have occurred over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and so we had a great time here worshiping, praising God and praying for each other and had several pastors. I think, Pat, would you think eight or nine pastors, maybe something like that, maybe more than that. And so we're very, very thankful that we had a great time uh, together. And let's continue to pray for our community. Next Sunday, let freedom ring. It is July 4th. Um, The parade and all of that is going to be on the 3rd. So the 4th, everything should be open. If you're coming from the other side of the bridge, should be open. The strand should be open. It will maybe be congested a little bit still because it's the holiday. But uh, you know what? Start a little bit earlier. I know that's a weird concept to some of you. <laughs> early is kind of a weird thing. You're not even sure how to define early. But uh, you know what? Do that. And uh, we'll see you then. It's also Communion Sunday. Uh, Make sure, members, you're faithful with your tithes and offerings by way of the box back here, offering box to the left of the double doors, or online, or uh, United States Postal Service, either one. Check our bulletin for several Bible studies held throughout the week. And on the, outside, we have a table set up. Here's what we have. Uh, when we started the kids' classes back again, we have, uh, we have a GAT in one class and a Laura in the other class. And they're the only ones that we have right now uh, working with children. That means they miss every single Sunday sermon out here. So here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to sign up. We're going to have that table out there, uh, Gary. And, and stop by the table. You'll find out what the requirements are there. Uh, you've got to love kids. You've got to make sure you, you, know, you, you have to do a background check and so on. Uh, we'll take care of all of that for you. But please, please, please prayerfully consider working one Sunday a month or maybe two Sundays a month in our children's ministry. That would be a tremendous help, and it's not fair to them to have to miss every single service. So if you would be available, sign up at the table. My wife will be there. Uh, Laura, our Sunday school coordinator, will be there as well. Let me share what I wrote as a result of what's been going on in our community um, 
here in Coronado. The word respect means, first of all, a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. An example would be the director had a lot of respect for Douglas as an actor. Second meaning, <clears throat> due, due regard for the feelings, wishes, rights, or traditions of others. An example would be young people's lack of respect for their parents. Respect is also a song written and originally recorded by American soul singer Otis Redding. It was released in 1965 when they had real music, by the way. <laughs> Just real good music, too. Uh, and it was, it was his third album. It was released as a single on it from his third album, Otis Blue, Otis Redding Sings Soul, and became a crossover hit for Redding. In 1967, fellow soul singer Aretha Franklin covered and rearranged Respect, resulting in a bigger hit and became, and became her signature song. The music in the two versions is significantly different, while a few changes in the lyrics resulted in different narratives around the theme of human dignity that have been interpreted as commentaries on traditional gender roles. The proper respect shown by two teams and their coaches and their managers <clears throat> and their fans could have prevented what happened at the championship basketball game in Coronado a little over a week ago. With today's supercharged political atmosphere, such events can lead to consequences totally unanticipated by those who initiate such actions. What happened is unfortunate indeed. I think we can all agree on that. But there is one race the human race. Every man, woman, and child is created in the image of Almighty God. And like it or not, we're all related. We're all related, through, especially through Christ. We become brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single person deserves respect on that account alone. We will never agree on all the tangent nuances, but until we get that right, we will continue to have problems with one another. Jesus said it this way, love your neighbor as yourself. Mark chapter 12, verse 31. And I want you to continue to pray. <clears throat> I know there were some demonstrations yesterday, supposed to be some more today. And, you know, God is sovereign, and God's got everything under control when it seems like nothing is under control. He still is. And so I want us to pray and agree together to pray for uh, peace, uh, peaceful assembly, whatever goes on, and that God would be glorified and God would, would win this spiritual battle. So would you join me as we go to God in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Fathers, we bow in your presence. I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to serve a God who was not sovereign, who was not in total control, to live in a world where chaos reigned and ruled and where there was no assurance that right would prevail uh, would be a difficult thing indeed. But Father, we believe that you are almighty in every sense of the word. We believe that you control all things. And Lord, I pray for whatever goes on later this afternoon. I pray it would be peaceful. I pray, God, that Christians would stand for what's right and decent. I pray, God, that we would be given wisdom from you. You've said if anyone lacks wisdom, that we're to ask, and so we ask for wisdom. We ask for unity. We ask for love for each other, love for neighbor. We ask that no race, no nationality, no difference of skin color uh, would come between us and doing what's right ever. Father, we pray that you would uh, be glorified when all of the dust settles on this thing, that, Lord, you would come out uh, victorious. And, Lord, we ask you to forgive us where we fail you and to bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you. May stand together as we continue to worship the Lord in song.
Worship's team, you always do a great job, but this was awesome this morning. Thank you. Let them know you appreciate them for leading us in worship. God bless you guys. Thank you so very, very much. You may be seated and find in your Bible Psalm 127, Psalm 127, verse 3. While you're turning there, I get a minute or so with our children that are in the auditorium. So all the boys and girls, before we dismiss you to class, I want you to look right up here, okay? I want you to listen. Put your big ears on, okay? Got your big ears? And let's listen. Uh, The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 13 that we're to obey the people who God has put in authority over us. In other words, we're to obey our parents and our grandparents. We're to obey the police officers. We're to obey government officials. We're to obey uh, employers. We're to obey teachers. But boys and girls, what happens when somebody who is an authority tells you to do something that God said you're not supposed to do? What happens then? That's a problem. And that will probably happen in your lifetime. It might happen more than once. So what do you do? The authority says do this, and God's word says don't do this. So what do you do? Well, the Bible tells us what to do, and it gives us an example In the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, verse 25, here's what happened. Someone came into the authorities and they said, we have startling news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple and they're teaching the people. Some of the disciples were in the temple teaching the people about Jesus. And the captain went with the temple guards and arrested these apostles, but without violence because he was afraid of the people. Because the people were listening to what these apostles had to say and they were moved by it. So they secretly kind of quietly arrested them, and they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. And the high priest said, we gave you, boys and girls, they said this to him, we gave you strict orders, don't preach about Jesus anymore. Well, that's a problem because Jesus told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So what did they do? He said, instead, you filled Jerusalem with your teaching about him, And you make us responsible for his death. But here's what the Apostle Peter said. We must obey God rather than human authority. We must obey God rather than human authority. So boys and girls, there's your answer. When someone in authority tells us to do something that God says not to do, then we should not do it because God is the highest authority of all. He's over the parents. He's over the police. He's over the government officials. He's over teachers. He's over everybody else. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego showed us also how to do that because when it came to obeying the authority of the government, they did so until the government told them to do something that God said not to do. So boys and girls, I want you to be Daniels, Meshachs, Shadrachs, and Abednegoes. If you have a choice, be a Daniel. That's easier to spell than Meshach. (laughs) Shadrach and Abednego. <clears throat> so boys and girls, you're dismissed to your classes. Uh, the young kids right over in that one right there and that door by, by Fitz and uh, the older kids right over here. So go ahead and <clears throat> be dismissed and everyone else turn to Psalm chapter 127 verse 3. <clears throat> Where did children come from? <clears throat> I was talking to, uh, I was talking to a family yesterday and they were talking about in vitro fertilization and, and I said something about Uh, God blessing them with children. They said, no, no, it it wasn't God blessing. It was in vitro. And I said, you know what? I think God has something to do with that too. I really do. I I think the whole idea of of conceiving a child is is, uh, something that God has something to do with. And, And the Bible says in Psalm 127 verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. Now that's the NLT. It says a heritage from the Lord in the King James Version. But it means a gift. They're a reward from him. So kids are from God. They're a reward. I know sometimes, parents, they don't seem like a reward. They seem like judgment for something in your life. I know that, but, <clears throat> but they're not. They're a gift from God. So that's why uh, I'm coming to the point of, of, of preaching today on the war on children. What a peculiar title for a sermon. But what a strange day in which we live. Today's America compared to the 60s, uh, 50s and 60s in particular, uh, seems like some alternate universe where good is considered bad and bad is regarded as good 
And, and by the way, God warns us about that day coming and those times coming in Romans 14, 16. Let not your good be evil spoken of. And Isaiah 5, 20, woe to them that call, good, that call evil good and good evil and that put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, <clears throat> they've turned everything upside down. I mean, we, we saw this. Uh, and we, this is kind of a goofy illustration, but we saw this in language. Uh, when, I, when I grew up, bad was bad. Now it's good. Well, that's bad. That's really bad, man. That's good. Radical wasn't good, but now that's rad. That's good. You know? I mean, so that's just kind of a weird... But that's what's happened with evil and good. It's, it's upside down. Uh, things are just, uh, it seems like, uh, out of sync. And, and, and it would seem that the forces of evil have been much more <coughs> successful at discipling our children than we have. One LifeWay research survey found that while 69% of those surveys said they were attending church at age 17, only 58% said they were attending church when they were 18, 40% when they were 19, and only 33% uh, attended regularly when they were in their 20s. Now, does that indicate a war? on our children or does it indicate just simple apathy has the church done a really poor job or has the world done a much better job and what prompted me thinking about this was there's all the the current um discussion about curricula that are being introduced to our children and a letter from dr james dobson founder of the focus on the family from several years ago <clears throat> and he sent out a letter where he referred to john MacArthur preaching a sermon using the title, The War on Children. I did not read that because I didn't want to be guilty of stealing whatever great ideas he has. So this would be a mediocre sermon instead of a really good one had I read John MacArthur's uh, sermon, what he had to say about it. <clears throat> but the fact that Dobson put out that letter, made reference to John MacArthur, uh, and, and our local school board's battle over Stop the Hate, which sounds really good, and Critical Race Theory, which sounds really good, got me to thinking that uh, what we need to do is to see what God has to say about society and our children and our responsibility. And I took a look at American Society Today. We have a decidedly leftist-leaning media, obviously. The entertainment world, for the most part, is leftist-leaning. We have revisionists at work rewriting our history, systematically rewriting it. We have an education system that has been infiltrated by Marxist philosophies our court systems are liberal. The authority is ignored while insurrection is not only allowed, but even encouraged by some elected officials. Now, some of you are getting ready to get up and leave probably, but hang on. It's going to get worse. <clears throat> <laughs> if you're going to ping on me, I want you to have the whole arsenal, okay? <clears throat> Pornography and drug use is everywhere. The occult, now, the, the occult is made palatable to our children through popular books that some of you have in your homes, on your shelves, uh, by movies, by video games, and, and pedophiles, believe it or not, are making inroads into the legal system towards normalizing, if you can call it that, their use of children. I, I, what kind of a society do we have? What has happened to the moral fiber of this nation? How can things go so awry in such a short period of time? I always, when I, when I read in the Old Testament, I'm reading in, in the book of 2 Kings right now, always when I'm reading in the Old Testament and I, and I read about wars and, and how that they went in, they killed, they slew all of the men and all of the women and all of the children. I cringe at that part, don't you? At the children, they, they, they killed, they, they put to death all of the children. And I marvel at that. And, and, and in addition, I marvel at the fact that some Old Testament nations, in particular the Ammonites, uh, would offer their children in a, as a burnt sacrifice to the god Molech. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 7, the god of the Amorites, uh, particularly their firstborn, and that hits close to home. I'm firstborn, so I'm really against this. Uh, but <laughs> eventually, Israelites did the same thing. They descended... Uh, here, a society based on the, on the Decalogue, the, the, the Ten Commandments of God, and, and, and what's moral, what's right, what's decent, uh, and, and God's calling them out as, as his people, his nation, and they descended the point morally where they copied uh, the pagan rituals of offering their own children as burnt offerings. In 
First Kings chapter 11, verse 7. Uh, when Manasseh was 12 years old, began to reign. He reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Heziba. Hez and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And I'm going to skip down. He talks about all the abominations and the high places and the uh, altars that were pagan altars. But it, com it comes down to verse 6. He made his sons pass through the fire. That's another way of saying, kind of a delicate way of saying. He offered his sons uh, to the false god Molech. Uh, by giving them as burnt offerings. And he observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He brought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He set up a graven image of the grove that he had made to the house uh, of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. But he took, basically tried to take the name of God, Jehovah, out of God's house in the temple and replace it with pagan gods. Now, offering children to uh, the, this fiery sacrifice to the god Molech was specifically prohibited in Leviticus chapter 20, verses 2 through 5. And, he, and whosoever be the children of Israel or of the stranger that sojourns in Israel that gives any of his seed unto Molech, he shall be put to death. It was a capital offense as far as God was concerned. In that theocracy, by the way, uh, Israel was still a theocracy. God was in charge. They had a monarchy going, but, uh, but God was still in charge of his people. And, and they, uh, God forbade, forbade them from giving their seed to Molech. Uh, but they went ahead and did it. And, and they used pretty graphic language. He said, I'll set my face against the man that does that, against his family, and will cut him off, all that go a-whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. So spiritual unfaithfulness was called a whoredom or a adultery in some places. It was being unfaithful to God. So I, I read those things, and I thought, how could a mom or dad take their little child or even an older child and, and throw them into a fire worshiping some pagan god. How could we do that? And yet we don't have Molech, but we have abortion. And it's legal in the land. And their lives are taken in, in, in cruel and, and incredible ways. And, and yet another way we offer up our children is by exposing them to godless instructors and curricula that introduce our children to what kind of hurtful philosophies and plant seeds of destruction in their fertile hearts and minds. That's precisely why we began a school in the 70s. That's why we did that, Billy. Remember those days? Uh, the, the curriculum in California was decidedly going humanistic and anti-theistic, anti-God. And so we, we, all over the country, schools sprang up. And we still, the school's still going. Uh, a waiting list right now, about 380 or so students uh, trying to teach them and train them in, in the Word of God as well as the reading, writing, and arithmetic and, and, the, and the fundamentals and so on. But, but we didn't trust what was going on in the public school system. And that hasn't gotten any better, by the way. If anything, that's gotten worse. So the results is a war on our children. The ultimate strategy, I've already mentioned, the ultimate strategy is to kill them in the womb. Um, children are from God, Psalm 127, as we read, but some 60 to 70 million little babies' lives have been taken from them in what should be the safest place for a child to be in this entire world. And what does the Bible have to say about that? One of the Ten Commandments upon which most laws of most lands are, are built upon uh, says, Thou shalt not kill. And the word for kill doesn't just mean take the life of, because if that were the case, you couldn't be uh, in the military and go into war without breaking God's commandment. But it doesn't mean thou shalt not take the life of someone. It specifically means thou shalt not illegally deprive them of life. Thou shalt not commit murder. That was what was prohibited. The Hebrew word translated kill means to commit murder, unlawful, premeditated often, uh, killing of a human being by another. So we are repulsed by children being slain in the Old Testament battle, but we live in a land where they're dismembered and killed out of sheer convenience to the parent or the parents. Now, there are people, and, and those in the clergy, in fact, who say that the Bible is silent about abortion, but note this passage in Exodus chapter 21, verse 22 and following. Suppose two men are fighting, and in the process they accidentally strike a pregnant woman, so she gives birth prematurely. 
If no further injury results, the man who struck the woman must pay the amount of compensation the woman's husband demands and the judges approve. And I've had people tell me, see, that means if the pregnant woman is struck and she, the baby is delivered and doesn't live, then, uh, then that's, uh, he, he has a fine and that's it. But that's not where the verse, verses stop. That's not where the passage stops. But if there is further injury, the punishment must match the injury. And, and the famous verses that are quoted by so many people, a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. So you know what this passage is saying? If a woman gets involved and she's between two guys that are fighting and she delivers prematurely her child, and if the baby is okay, if everything's all right, then there's a fine assessed. But if there's further injury, then an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and so on prevails. So if that baby dies, there was more of a penalty. And I once debated a guy, a pastor, who claimed to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, tell me that I was inconsistent because I was against abortion, but I was for capital punishment. And I thought to myself, if you can't see the difference in an innocent child in the womb of its mom and a criminal who had wantonly taken the life of other people or another person, there's something wrong. And don't blame me. I didn't write this passage in, in Exodus chapter 21. And nor did I write, thou shall not kill. And nor did I write about capital punishment, which the word of God supports. And as if abortion is not heinous enough, we found out, I believe in 2008 or 9 or so, that some clinics were selling baby parts. When it was discovered and chronicled in a video, instead of indicting Planned Parenthood that gets millions and millions and millions of your tax dollars and mine, instead of indicting them for selling aborted baby parts, which was not supposed to be legal, the man who took the video was indicted on nine counts. It's the kind of world we live in today. There can't be any more of a war against children than the wholesale slaughter of them. Having said that, and believing that with all my heart, I hasten to say that by the grace and mercy of Almighty God, all of those who perform, consent to, or have abortions can be forgiven because the blood of Christ covers all sin. It doesn't cover most sin. It covers all all sin and a murderer can be forgiven someone on death row for killing a hundred people can be forgiven and someone who had an abortion can be forgiven and both be just as clean and pure because they've been washed in the blood of the lamb that's what forgiveness is all about that's the power of forgiveness we live in a day of broken homes god instituted the home did you know that god instituted the home before he instituted government before he instituted the church a few thousand years before he instituted the church, he instituted the home. We have figured out a way to have no dads in the home. You saw the video last week that we had. That there are vocal advocates who say the video is not that, that a, a husband or a, a man in the home is not needed. God planned for two parents, a man and a woman, a mom and a dad. And together they were given this assignment to fulfill, to be fruitful and multiply the earth. When there is no father... Stats say there's four times the risk of poverty, seven times more likely teen pregnancy in that home. They're more likely to have behavioral problems and neglect, twice the risk of infant mortality, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to wind up in prison, more likely to be involved in crime, and more likely to drop out of school. All this according to the United States Census Bureau, 18.3 million children one in four live without a biological stepdad or adoptive father they don't have either their biological or a stepdad or an adoptive father in the home consequently there is a father factor rather the absence of a father factor in nearly all social ills facing america today i read this last week in preparing for this message uh, some men are procreating but not parenting. You know Nick Cannon was on America's Got Talent show. He's had seven children by five different women, three in the last few months. Yeah, broken, broken society, broken system. 
divorce, the chances of being born into a married couple's home are about 50-50. And over 50% of American homes will suffer divorce, many homes subjected to infidelity, whereas commitment on the part of a husband and wife, for better or for worse, till death do we part, whereas faithfulness to vows, you think that doesn't affect children? As an adult, it affected me when my parents divorced. As an adult, I can't imagine what it would have been like. I can't imagine when when I thought it might happen as a child. I I had thoughts that were not glorifying to God and thoughts that uh, that would have been terrible to, to act upon. Had my parents divorced when I was a child, I thought about things that I would do. I don't want to be any more specific than that, but it's the only time in my life I've ever thought like that. Where's faithfulness? Then there's abusive parents. Every once in a while you read about parents who are physically or sexually abusive to their own children. Those who are supposed to love and protect and nurture and educate and grow them and watch out for them. And they are the very ones who mentally or emotionally or otherwise neglect them. Do you realize children get their concept of the Father God from their parents in the home and how their parents treat them? If their father is abusing them physically or or even verbally, what do you think a young child thinks about our Heavenly Father? The damage an abusive parent can inflict is beyond calculation. Public schools, education centers... This might anger some of you if you're not already angered. But today's school system, for the most part, are anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Scripture. And by the way, I am thankful for every Christian school teacher, every Christian school board member, every Christian school administrator. I'm thankful for every one of you. You are in the lion's den. You are taking the battle to the enemy, uh, and, and I mean in the sense of the moral and spiritual enemies. I, I used to be asked, when I first moved out here, I used to be asked to give invocations and benedictions at graduation services for public schools. That all stopped. I can remember standing beside my desk and doing the Pledge of Allegiance every single morning the school was in session and beginning with a word of prayer. No more. That hasn't happened since sometime in the 60s. Do you realize you go back far enough, American schools, public schools, used to use the Bible as teaching age and and teaching literature and teaching English and teaching how to read. They would use scriptures. And when you read those scriptures over, that plants the right kind of seeds in your mind because you have the word of God now in that fertile young mind from a very young age, and they retain those things. That's long gone. And moms and dads, you are the primary parties for educating your children. Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in thy heart. And listen to this. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto your children, and shalt talk of them when? When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. The Word of God ought to be taught. The principles of God ought to be taught. The doctrines of the Word ought to be taught to your children. When you're walking by the way, when you sit down, when you stand up, when you get up, when, when you go to bed at night, it ought to be the Word of God. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand. Thou shalt be as frontlets between the eyes, the idea of, of, of ever-present right there. They would literally, uh, they, the Israelites would strap Scripture verses in a little leather box on their forehead, taking this Scripture and taking it literally. I'm going to put the Word of God right here. I'm going to put the Word of God right here so every time I see it, and even on their doorposts, you know, they would have the, the Ten Commandments in a little, I uh, can't remember, I never remember what it's called, uh, whatever that little thing is, it's called there. They put them in. I always called them a Medusa, but that's not it. That's, a, some, that's something else enti- entirely. But anyhow, uh, they would literally fulfill it. But we are to do this. We're to teach our kids so that they know the Word of God, so they love God, so they serve Him, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates. So that's our job, parents. We delegate to teachers. 
But if we delegate to teachers who are teaching them wrong philosophies, if we delegate to people who are trying to twist them and turn them away from the things of God, they undo what you do. And they have many more hours in a day to do it oftentimes than you do. Then we get to politics. Government is supposed to protect its citizens. But it would seem now we need protection from our government. What was it Ronald Reagan said? Some of the scariest thing you can ever hear is, I'm from the government, I'm here to help you. <laughs> Listen to this quote from John MacArthur. I did lift this part, okay? Uh, as, and as you know, our country, the politicians who lead it are making laws that are devastating to children under the pressure of sexual freedom, homosexuality, transgenderism. The desire is to make that normal and to punish people who speak against it with laws in the category of hate speech. A pastor was already arrested, uh, at least one pastor in Canada for, for teaching from the word of God on this, on this subject. The lies of systemic racism and the race hustlers dominate the ideology of universities and even churches. Music producers, movie makers, social media providers, big tech, you name it. They literally pump out things that destroy children. Children are under a relentless assault by all the forces of evil, and they are defenseless. We have a society and a culture that wants to make sure that these are, who are pumping out this destruction are free to keep doing it without restraint. Children are defenseless when their parents sell them to a human trafficker who drops them off from 8 to 10 feet over a wall into Sodom and Gomorrah, happening right down here at our border. Uh, and they leave them all by themselves. Or when Disney Corporation creates characters that are transgender to seduce children into accepting the wickedness as normal, or when parents insanely offer their children gender identity options, unquote. Some of you sitting here have been in places where the teachers need to know, what pronoun would you like me to use with you? When I was in school, if you used the wrong pronoun, you got, you got marks against that. <laughs> At the same time, our children, by word and by example, are being taught to disrespect and disobey the police while cooperating with those who loot and burn in the name of social justice, theoretically. They loot and burn because they want to. Because they're evil. The heart of mankind, my heart is evil, except for the Holy Spirit of God superintending it. I would be right out there with them. To cry out against these things, as the Bible does, as I'm doing right now, constitutes what society is beginning to label as hate speech. You see, I, I have to believe whatever you believe is okay, but you don't have to believe whatever I believe is okay. I'm supposed to conform to you. That's the, that's the philosophy in the world today. If we do not accept everything a decadent society is pushing on us, we are deemed hateful. But the Bible still says we're to render unto Caesar the things of Caesar's, but to obey God rather than man. So what are the Bible answers? This is the commandment, the statutes, the judgments. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you're going to possess it so that, notice this, your sons and your grandsons might fear the Lord your God. We have a responsibility to our sons and daughters, grandsons, granddaughters. We have a responsibility to get the word of God to them. What do you want to teach them? To fear the Lord your God and to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged, lifelong submission to and obedience to the worship of and the love of and the fear of God. Everybody needs those things. You shall diligently teach them to your children. This society is absolutely a dangerous place for children. From dawn to dark, all the time, it's evil. Everyone waiting to pounce upon your children and mine. War does Satan's war starts in the womb and never ever lets up. It's carried through every medium possible. <clears throat> you got to monitor what your kids are doing online. You got to monitor what they're doing online. 
Because people without any regard for the, the welfare of your children will pump out and put out online anything they can to plant those seeds that will be destructive. That actually changed the way that your <clears throat> children's minds operate. You know, we had that study here <clears throat> that Matt Moad led us on, um, on por pornography and the effects of pornography on the brain and how the, it's like a drug and how it lights up certain portions of the brain and it craves, it begins to crave for that same satisfaction, that same hit. It's out there on the computers and on the iPads and on their iPhones. You need to monitor what's going on. You need to know what's going on. The war, Satan's war on children, <clears throat> is also a war on God because, again, the children come from God. And if he can destroy them, destroy enough of a generation, it might not be too long to where we would be offering our children as burnt offerings to an idol somewhere. This culture is not going to protect your children. Your public school system is not going to protect your children. The society is going to do everything it can to destroy them. And you're not in it alone. We've got the church. We've got preachers. We've got Christian friends. So let me give you these action points and we'll be through. Number one, introduce your kids to Jesus Christ. Take them to church. Pray for them daily. Don't just send them. Take them to church. Get them in God's house. Teach them. That's the most important thing that they can do is to know God and to serve God and to fear God. Secondly, become involved in your children's school and their teachers and the curricula. Review the curricula for each subject taught. Visit do you, do you know what's being taught? Visit classrooms to witness firsthand. What, how many times have you read in the last 15, 16 months about a Zoom class going on and a parent walked in the room and all of a sudden it all stopped? I, I, I've read it several times. Visit classrooms to witness firsthand what occurs there. Share what you learn with friends, including other like-minded parents. There's strength in numbers. Number three, remember, these are your children, not theirs. They don't belong to the educators. <clears throat> be courteous. Be respectful. When you deal with school personnel, most of them are decent people trying to do a good job and fulfill their challenging assignments. But Many, and many teachers are committed to the kids, but there are some that, whose philosophies would shock you if you knew what they really were. Number four, do like Esther and Stacy have done. Consider running for a position on your local school board. We wouldn't have so many of the problems in local schools if the people on the boards and in the administration were loving lovers of God. Number five, if the local school district is determined to indoctrinate, manipulate the minds of your children, and if your concerns are falling on deaf, this is radical, okay? Take your children out of school. Send them to a Christian school. Homeschool. When we were <clears throat> had our children at home, homeschool was, I, I don't know if it, I guess it had been around, but I wasn't that aware of it, but we, we started a Christian school. <clears throat> they came out and said, you need to start <clears throat> you need to start with kindergarten, first and second grade first. Just I, I said, nope. We're starting preschool all the way through kindergarten. We did a whole shooting match all at once over one summer. We did it. That school's been there. It's rated, what was that? It was rated um, in the top, top, I'm going to say 10%. It was, I think it was better than that. Top 10% of schools in America. The school that's right over there right now. I know that'd be difficult for some of you to think about homeschooling. It'd be difficult financially to be able to. We, it's an investment we were willing to make into our children. It doesn't cure everything. I, I know the devil goes to Christian schools too. Did you know that? <laughs> Sometimes that devil was my kids. I, I'm telling you. But, <clears throat> you, but you, you say, well, you, you're putting them in a controlled environment. Yeah, you know what? We are. And, and you want to grow delicate orchids and you want to grow some nice juicy tomatoes, put them in a greenhouse and give them the right environment and, and control what they're fed and how they're watered and all. And you'll, you'll have some awesome fruit and some awesome flowers. It's a war. Your kids leave this building and they go out and, and there's no telling what philosophies they run into by accident walking down the street. Being a parent 
It was a full-time job. I tell some people, it's like a life sentence. <laughs> I thank God for my kids. But I tell you what, they're never not your kids. I don't care how old they get, they're still your kids. You still care about them. You still pray for them. You still want what's best for them. They still make stupid decisions. And you just, <laughs> you love them anyhow. You do all you can. Because the devil is doing all he can to destroy them. So here's what I want us to do. <clears throat> In just a moment, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up here right now. In just a moment, we're, they're going to start playing. <clears throat> and, and I know I, I was going to have everybody come forward. I don't think we can do that, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to ask everybody to stand in just a moment, and we're going to, right where you are, I want you to pray. I want you to pray out loud. I want you to pray with someone. I'm going to pray with my wife, and I want us to pray for our kids. I want us to pray for the situation. I want us to pray that whatever goes on this afternoon, later on, will be peaceful, and that, that God would put down uh, the, the enemy, and I'm talking about the enemy being Satan, that disunity would be dispelled, that there would be a unity, that would be a love, that would be a mutual respect. I'm going to pray that God keeps everything under control. I want you to pray that way too. So let's stand together, and the instruments are going to play, and I want you to pray. Out loud would be great. If not, pray with each other. Right, but silently. Five o'clock, five o'clock this afternoon, I think, five o'clock this afternoon is when the demonstrations are supposed to happen, so if you remember that, be thinking about that, uh, be praying for everything to be peaceful, for God to be glorified ultimately, for Christians to be what they should be, the salt and light that we need to be, and just go serve God, serve your kids, do the best you can. May God bless you. If you need to know about Christ and how to be saved, come see me. Uh, we'll take care of that before we leave today, okay? God bless you. Remember to sign up for the, uh, for the Sunday School Helping Out with Kids. Sign up for the Discovering First Baptist Church class that we'll be having next week. God bless you.